welcome back to Just One Question. And this is this is my uh, favorite moment in Just One Question so far. And I'm gonna say that and spoil and make everybody else cross at me. No worries, I'm so thrilled to have Kate O'Neill on this show. Kate is the author of Tech Humanist and three previous books. She's a consultant on digital transformation and strategy and a keynote speaker and boy, are we excited about having those back again someday. When, please, let me know. A keynote speaker on how data and emerging technologies are shaping the future of human experiences. AI for short, but not limited to. Amongst her prior roles, and I did not know this before I got this intro, so I'm really thrilled and excited about this. She was one of the first 100 employees at Netflix so we have you to thank for our uh, thank for our sanity during this time, as we've all watched every single Netflix show ever several times. <laughs> and she led one of the first digital strategy and analytics agencies. All right, welcome, Kate O'Neill. I'm so thrilled to see you and to have you on this thank little you. program. Thank so you. So just I'm check excited. in. Yeah, check in and and tell us how you're doing. Thanks. I'm super excited. Nick, you're one of my favorite people. So yeah, this is this is a real thrill to be uh, talking to you and be on your show. I watched a few episodes uh, before this, and and it's just so fun to see the people you talk to and and how quality they all are. So I'm um, I'm pretty good right now. I feel like what I'm I'm really pretty good in transition. Like that's a that's a thing that's always been true in my life. Like big change, big chaos, and uncertainty. I I'm okay with that. I can live with ambiguity. Um, and I'm encouraged by a lot of things like the fight for social justice in a in a bigger picture sense than we've, you know, at least in my lifetime than we've ever really seen, uh, moving us to new levels of, of social justice. So I feel like that's all good, you know, but obviously, like many people, I feel, um, I, I feel like I'm living this quantum reality of both being you know, possibly sick and possibly not sick. Like I, mm. I was sick throughout March and April and I had a diagnosis of symptoms consistent with coronavirus because it was just a virtual appointment. So they couldn't diagnose it. And oh, at goodness. that time living in New York, like you really couldn't get a, a COVID test um, mm. because it was just so, so bonkers at that time. Um, so I had the symptoms consistent with coronavirus, but then I had an antibody test uh, and it was negative. So it's mm. like maybe the antibody test was a false negative, maybe it wasn't. So there's this kind of quantum reality about that. But I, um, so I feel like I'm an extrovert in captivity. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I love doing stuff like this. So this is yeah. wonderful. I love talking with you. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, that we the, the collective we, we the folks <laughs> the who might we. watch this and me yes uh, so thanks um, so just one question dr o'neill which is um we've been now in this virtual enforced virtual uh, world for um for a number of months and that's time enough to figure out what works and what doesn't. Of course, you've had long experience with the virtual world and, and you know knew a lot about it already before this happened. But I'm just curious as to what's working, um, what you found out is working and what isn't working in the virtual space and, and uh, what, what doesn't need to be fixed, what does need to be fixed? Yeah, so I, I think that's probably a variable for everyone, uh, but I think, you know, what we what we certainly have seen, it feels like, is how we use tech changes in a moment like this, uh, and and people become 
more dependent on it. You know, we're, we're doing a lot of these kind of video calls and people are kind of more hooked to their phones and other devices than they usually are. Um, but I don't necessarily see that as, as concerning. I don't see that as a, a problematic thing. I think, you know, it's, it's an obvious and natural transition for us. We've got the technology, we might as well use it. And I do think that'll push us toward innovation in those spaces. Mm. So, but my work focuses a lot on meaning and, and that, that's because, you know, my work focuses on that intersection of tech and humanity. And I think of meaning as this solid human component. Like it's what, it's what really characterizes the human experience that we mm. seek, seek meaning and we're drawn to it. Um, out of all the things that you could say about the human condition, that's one of the things that I feel like is really uniquely human. Um, and so one of the things that it occurs to me about tech and, and what works virtually and what doesn't is that, you know, even before the pandemic, people did a lot of kind of pearl clutching about how much people use their phones. And there was this sense that if you took pictures of your food before you ate it, then you weren't being present and you weren't, you know, just enjoying the food or that if you took video at a concert that you weren't being present and you weren't just enjoying the concert. Mm. And it actually turns out there's a study and I quoted it in Pixels in Place, um, which is my second to last book, mm. that, um, that suggested that people, in short, you remember better what you capture with your phone, even if you never look at it again. Oh. So, yeah, so there's this act of like curating something mm. or documenting it with the idea that maybe you'll share it um, even if you mm. don't, that that forces us to be present in a different way than we've ever historically had the option to do. It's a modality we didn't have before. Mm. Um, and so I think that 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 lesson to me teaches us that we still can have meaningful experiences in new modalities. We have ways of adapting. I think humans in general are pretty good at adapting. And mm -hmm. we, we learn to create connection and whatever limitations we're given. Um, so I think there are some very real limitations to that. Uh, you know, we, we may not feel as connected through Zoom calls. We may not feel, you know, as present with one another. Right. But, um, but I think then there are ways that you maybe f feel more in control of, you know, the, of the interaction. You feel more um, empowered to create the experience that, that most resonates with you. So I think, you know, I, what I see, for example, is that in webinars and web chats, there's this opportunity to use chat functions mm -hmm. that you don't see when you're physically present at a conference, right? You can't necessarily have that equivalent capability of connecting with everyone who's present in the room as easily during a talk and, and having kind of community be built amongst the audience. And I think that's a really valuable trade-off or a really valuable feature. And Agreed. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there are, there are things that are good and things that are, you know, uh, that feel like they're big compromises. Hmm. Um, but I'm really hopeful that I, that we'll figure out the best uh, out of this that, that helps us move forward in, in ways that, that let us use technology in more connected ways. And then hopefully we also get past this point where we can actually be present uh, in person together again. And you and I can sit down over a beer again. <laughs> Speed the day is all I can say. Speed the day. <laughs> Kate O'Neill, thank you so much. I knew I would get a fascinating answer out of you, um, and, uh, and I did, so I am deeply grateful. Thank you for being on Just One Question. Thank you for having me.